So 22nd came and I recorded a video and then I posted on YouTube, posted on my everything and something transformed almost instantly within me. The courage to declare something audacious and not only declare it, write it down, say it to the world. Things started manifesting. Welcome to the Gleeful Talk Show, where we share zesty stories to cultivate the happiness and giver within. Major shout out to our zesty Zaid Mahmoud, who has been here from the start. Thanks, Zaid, for your support, and I do hope I pronounced your surname right. Follow him on Instagram, that's at Zaid Mahmoudni, that's at Z A I D M A H M O D N Y. Another shout out to our patron zesty, Jem Jang, who's always been here and very supportive of the show. Thanks both and I really appreciate your support. Today we are going to talk about cultivating inspiration and overcoming fear. So I'm very excited to introduce our guest who is the host and producer of the award-winning podcast, The Business Leadership Podcast, and an entrepreneur based in Canada who is part of different startups and partnerships. So please welcome Edwin Frandozo. Hi, Edwin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Glee. So happy to be here. Thank you for being on the show. And yes, you are wearing different hats, a leader, entrepreneur, author, podcaster. So what life experiences did you have that made you become who you are today? Wow, that's a, that's a huge question. When it comes to life experience and who I am today, and I, I guess all the different hats, it's just being for me and rediscovering how curious I am, how naturally curious we are as humans when we're young. Right. When we're young, we will jump from one topic to another and our parents will encourage us. Right. But when we get older, people start asking us, so what are you going to major in university? What are you going to do when you grow up? Which sort of creates boxes around us and limits us in terms of what we can or cannot do and spend our time with, right? So I had the opportunity to actually do computer engineering in university, which allowed me to have very different topics, but, and very difficult. And it changes every four months, every semester, right? And I did great. I was amazing at that, that time, I realized. But, you know, when I got went into the workforce, doing one thing got really boring. That's where entrepreneurship for me was a blessing because being an entrepreneur, for those who are entrepreneurs who are listening, you get to learn many hats. Whether you want to or not, you have to learn how to do sales. You have to learn how to do HR, do billing, do finance, do marketing. Not to say that you have to be good at all of them, but you have to understand them. So that was, that was great for me. And then it realized, you know, once I started having a good understanding on these roles and being an entrepreneur, you have to find ways how to create awareness or build business. So that's where the podcast came in and doing different things like that. But yeah, that's, that's sort of like, I guess, the two and a half minute experience of how I enjoy doing many things. And that I think that's the essence of most humans. But for me, it really bleeds home into the essence of me of being sort of a polymath or a multi-passionate and really looking to strive in balancing that ever curious, ever hunger of curiosity to always learn, but always to continue to grow and level up in every part of your business and in life. And you mentioned about multi-passionate. So what are your passions in life? Oh, I mean, passions could be anything. But for me, 
I love snowboarding. Snowboarding is a huge passion for me. I took up running 10 years ago, so I'm a marathon runner as well. I ran four marathons, Toronto, New York, Chicago, Berlin. Berlin was the last one I ran two years ago, almost to, to the day of this recording. And right before COVID, those are, those are two things that are not, not related with entrepreneurship. I love writing and reading. That, that's a huge thing. And I think I'm really passionate about communications. I'm realizing it more and more. I'm a father. I'm a five-year-old father. So I get to change, I guess, the optics of communications. It's one thing to communicate with employees, stakeholders, different business partners. But it's like, how do you talk to a five-year-old? And how do you communicate correctly? And I realize within the English language, the words you use is very powerful. So I'm very passionate about how I use my words wisely, how I listen and how I communicate, not only with my daughter, with my wife for sure, right? Because this is my life partner and, you know, we're going through this experience of marriage together and raising a child and doing those things. And I just find you could never say I'm an expert in communications. Yeah, because it depends on your audience, right? So you have to cater how you talk based on your audience, I think. Yeah, 100%. And not everyone is the same. Everyone is uniquely different. So you can't mm -hmm. assume, even though you, let's say, are selling to the same type of person or communicating to the same audience, quote unquote audience, if you're listening, your message is still landing differently on the yeah. person who's receiving it, right? Depending on their experience, exactly. what they're going through presently or what they're hoping to do in the, in the future, right? So it's a little audacious for us to think that as good marketers, or good communicators that we really think that, you know, it's landing evenly with everyone in the audience. It's a humbling too, right? To even think about that, right? Because you have to realize if only one person, and I get it now, Glee, when if only one person in an audience of a thousand gets it, then I think that's, that's a hit. Right. But if, you, if, you're, if you're able to communicate well, or you're really good at motivating or inspiring or telling a story, of course, you're going to hit a home a bit more. But it's still each person who acknowledges what you shared, they might have acknowledged one part of your story still. Right. So it's, it's very interesting. You don't know what connected with them. Exactly. It's like you as a communicator encodes that message and then the receiver decodes it differently based on their experiences in life and their yeah. beliefs as well. Well, their beliefs, their upbringing, everything, right? And like, you don't understand. I mean, we're both come from the same background, so we could sort of make an assumption, but living in Canada or, or in a lot of Western civilizations, there's people with different languages, different religions, right? The one thing here in Canada that there might be something that we could relate with, well, my parents is there's a lot of immigrants. So the immigrant mm. mindset, that's a different than people who didn't immigrate. So there's a little commonality between there, but it will stop there. Yes, they had the courage to immigrate, to leave their home, but you don't know their religion. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know the income or yeah. what they struggled or if they came from a refugee, right? Like it's, it's, who knows? You have no idea. Yeah, exactly. And circling back to what you've mentioned before about how you grew up being very curious. I'm also curious, like what traits you wanted to cultivate before and then I guess you could say you're better at it now. I, I would say one of the biggest things and that I've been working on, I would probably say for a long time, but it's been very monumental over the last year and a half, let's say two years, is recognizing my self-worth or self-belief, right? People has always reflected to me in the past that I'm, you know, Edwin, you're valuable. You have this, you're good, right? 
you know, I have an air of confidence in myself, but maybe the self-belief or the self-worth wasn't there, even though the outside was telling me it was there, but there was something there. I had to do a lot of work on that. And I realized a lot of it comes from the upbringing, the culture upbringing. You know, my parents did a great job, but being Filipino, being Catholic, being an immigrant, family. There's a lot of things of trying to fit in and stay humble and do good work, you know, stay in your lane. And there's one term that most Filipinos would recognize, is, and I did work on this, Glia, working with a coach, is the term mayabang. Yeah. <laughs> so the term mayabang, if you are in a community of a Filipino, if, you, if you're not Filipino and listening to this, mayabang, I don't know the exact English word, but it's sort of you're being boastful, you're getting out of your position or basically stay in. And it actually comes on a negative context, right? And it's sort of like that crab mentality. It's like, oh, look at Edwin. He's trying to do something good. So I'm going to pull you down. I realize the term ayabang is not a good word in the Filipino language. One one of the not good words in the Filipino yeah. language. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you've mentioned because I had a previous um, episode. I haven't released it yet, but one of my one of my guests also mentioned she's OSW, and we talked about how to survive in a workplace. And being Filipinos working overseas, we tend to discount ourselves because we don't want to be mayabang. So. It's funny that you mentioned that as well. Well, I, and I, I don't know. So I grew up born and raised in Canada. And, you know, my parents did a good job trying to, I guess, fit in, right? But these are the culture nuances that, of course, came along with them. And I think, you know, that programming, that subconscious programming was what is in me, right, for a long time. Because as confident I was with myself and things, I wouldn't say sabotage, but I was trying to stay humble too and stay in my lane because I didn't want to be my yabang because mm. it's not it's not it's not cool. Yeah. So that <laughs> that, that that was probably one of the most recent things is releasing myself from that, allowing myself like that programming doesn't define me, right? And the self worth. Why 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 not me, right? You've already come out of that shell or box of being like the mayabang. So last 2020, you publicly declared your goal of 100x tech business in 100 days. So please walk us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a crazy story and I'll try to keep it as concise as possible, especially for you and your listeners. But uh, when COVID came out, we were all scared. No one knew nothing with COVID. So you had two options. You either would wait and see what happened because you're really scared. We have no idea of this unknown. And then you're someone who is, I guess, feels restless, doesn't know what to do. So you want to find out a way to help your people, your fellow citizens. So we started pivoting. So I actually dove into many different projects and initiatives during COVID, which is a big thing in the entrepreneurship space at the time. And my tech business kind of slowed down because of COVID. So I was able to get into a new startup. I did a national podcast partnership. But at the same time, Glee, I took time to work with a coach. COVID, if you heard, it was the big reset as well as everything. So I also took the opportunity to work on myself. And it turned out, as I mentioned, I realized I am someone who loved doing many things at many times. And when I looked back in the world, people told us you had to choose a topic and go to university. You had to, you had to be one thing. So I ended up being an entrepreneur because I didn't believe that. And then being an entrepreneur long enough, people will say, oh, Edwin, 
you do too many things. You actually have to pick a niche and be an expert and be a specialist. So even my peers that I thought were like me building my own thing were also telling me you had to only do one thing. But I was also, it was also a big up and down year where there was a lot of questions of worth, question of purpose, question of what am I doing with my life? Well, when I came to that realization that I love doing many things, I was sort of in a crossroads because I was in this emotional state where I had this tech business, but I needed do something. And a friend of mine is like, Edwin, and this is the funny part. This is actually, I don't understand. He's like, Edwin, I see you do many things. Why don't you focus on one thing? He's a high performance coach. And he had an audacious goal that he had put out there where he was going to make a couple of million in in a hundred days. And I was like, oh, tell me more about this. Right. I was intrigued because first I'm like, Mm. you're kind of crazy, but I'm intrigued. Tell me more about this. And, you know, we got into conversations about what your dream life look like. Like we all have vision boards. So I'm going to assume a lot of people listening have the vision board or understand the concept of a vision board. I don't have a vision board. So maybe you could talk through that as well later. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so a vision board real quickly is if you have aspirations of what your dream life will look like, the exercise of a vision board is to like, you could do this with magazines. You could do this with Google photo. And let's say you want to have a nice house by the beach. You want to have a nice car. You want, you know, this Mm. lifestyle, you just put it on and you have this vision board here. Mm. So something to be aspirational, you know, there's different exercises on it, but it's a, it's a very powerful exercise because it makes you evaluate what you're working hard for. It's like being reminded about what your goal is, is that like you always see it in your wall or something. Yeah. Because once you visualize it, it's sort of becoming real especially when you put it there, right? So that's what a vision board, it's, uh, I, I did one with my family th- at the beginning of this year. So I had my daughter do one side, my wife did one. So it's nice when you have a family because you they may know my visions, but I don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to put it out there, especially for families. So for those listening who have a family, I, I highly encourage to do a family vision board. It's really cool. It's a really cool project, right? To really see what some people made us assume what their partner wants, <laughs> but you don't know, yeah. right? Until you get into this exercise and you get a habit. So the second part of the vision board, which a lot of people don't do, is actually put the cost of that vision board. Uh, like, What's the recurring maintenance cost of living this dream life? So you do a vision board and you actually tally this up. It could be actually very overwhelming or underwhelming. You'd be like, oh, that's all it is, my dream life? That's actually attainable. You know what I mean? Like, Because you don't know. A lot of people are like, I want this, but you have no idea. Like, You could do the fun part and say, okay, how much is a Ferrari? How much is it to do? You know, what, What's the monthly cost and to do this and do that? And do and it's interesting. If you put those line items in, it's, you're actually like, okay, I got a vision of what my life is. I got a financial goal. So when I did the financial goal, I realized I would have to, for Slingshot, my tech business, to pay me income to live my dream life. It ended up being like close to 100xing where we were today. So that's where that number came from. And because I was in that state of like, oh, I don't know what to do, I was really intrigued. So I put aside all these ideas of multi-passionate and I honed in. And September 22nd, 2020 was going to be that day, 100 days is the end of the year. So I had decided I'm going to, declare I'm going to 100x. But before I was able to get to that glee, I had to go through a very dark weekend. Like I was questioning like, who the hell do you think you are to announce this? You can't do this. And all the devil on the shoulder kept telling me that you couldn't do it. 
And it was a dark weekend. But the difference I did this time is I sat with that feeling because I had a pretty good practice with meditation and journaling and prayer. That self-talk or that voice inside my head started changing over the weekend. And it started saying, yeah, you could do this. Why can't you do it? Why not you? Why not me, Edwin? Why, why not? And so I started to believe. I'm like, I could do this. So September 22nd came and I recorded a video. And then I posted on YouTube, posted on my everything. And something transformed almost instantly within me. The courage to declare something audacious and not only declare it, write it down, say it to the world. Things started manifesting. I, I know the word manifesting gets used overly too much, but things started really mm-hmm. happening in the sense of different conversations, different deals, different. I just started moving more intently. And one of the practices I did during that first hundred days was I would record a, a video blog, a vlog, and it would be like day two, this is 100x, I'm going to 100x my business. And that exercise alone, the reason why I did that is I want to document myself and I wanted to see it. But what I realized by day 60 or 70, I have all the videos. That belief I had in myself became conviction that I was convinced I was going to 100x my business. I started realizing it may not be in the 100 days because that was actually really audacious and the time frame wasn't realistic. But the conviction in self changed. And when I reflected after the 100 days, Glee, I realized what I was doing was not only audaciously putting something out there, I was doing a positive self-talk with the videos, which turned out to be affirmations. Mm. So I've tried affirmations and they never really worked for me. But what I was doing with the vlog is, like I said, I'd be like, this is day 53. My name's Edwin. I am going to 100x my business. So just that I am statement over and over again, I think I programmed myself and and convinced myself that, that I would do that. So that's what had happened um, last year. Wow. So on the 100th day, what did you do? So did you still continue doing videos right now about it? Or how was the after of that 100th day? Yeah, no. So the 100 days came and gone. And I realized when I did one of my last videos, I didn't 100x my business. But what in fact I did was I 100x my mindset. I not only started to believe in myself, I was convinced that all this stuff is going to happen. And I stopped doing the video vlog right after, the vlog right after. But I realized that there was something this 100 day. I started calling these 100 day epics because setting a 100 day goal, you could actually do things. You could set goals, set intentions. I ended up doing before I get it. So I did like 22 days. I'm like, I'm going to do this again, but it's going to be like January 22nd. I forgot the exact day and it will end in April 30th. It was another 100 days. And I started thinking these 100 day goal setting is actually pretty unique in the sense that there's two main goal setting times. It's the beginning of the year with a New Year's resolution. But the problem with that is 365 days is actually overwhelming or underwhelming for someone. You know, I think January 19th is like the the day of quitting, what they say in the fitness industry. The gym, right? Going to gym. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. But yeah. it's, a, and you'll go, I'm going to do it tomorrow, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow. And it never happens. And, and then, and then, you, and then you just say you never do it because, you know, you have so much time. So you keep putting things off. And on the flip side, the corporate world is it works on 90 day segments, right? So you'll set up a 90 day goal. But by the time it's like day 70, you're already planning for the next quarter. You don't have this 22 days of reflection of, 
you know, assessing what you did, how you're doing it, what are you going to double down on, what intention are you going to do for the next hundred days. So I did the second hundred day, and I did some more realistic goals, I guess. Glee. It was like I, I'm going to double the business. I'm going to hire some people. I'm going to pitch a, a new podcast show to a national syndication like NPR or something. I didn't know how these were going to do, but I knew why I was going to do them because they looped up. One of them was I was going to do a video, like do more videos or, or a new video show. And when that, when that 100 days ended and I looked back at the goals, I hit them all. And I was moving forward and closer and closer to a different, that dream life I had done. So I did that three times over. I'm on my fourth time doing it now. But that's what came from that. Sort of this framework, you know, what I'm calling these 100 day epics or this this 100x life which is a mindset shift and and a way to grow yourself, grow your business and do new things. Oh, wow. That's very profound. You have now the framework, right? And people can learn from this framework as well. So I'm just really curious what motivated you at that time. Like maybe there was a time that, you know, there was a slump during that 100 day. Was was there a time though? Always. Oh. I mean, I think I think ultimately it, it'd, it'd be, I'd be lying to tell you that I, every day is, you know, a 10, right? You know, the devil never leaves your shoulder. He's always there. Mm. You just, but your strength and self, you acknowledge them and then you move forward. The anxiety or some stresses or things always come up in business or in life. But with a practice, a strong framework within your own life and your work, I think it, it helped me become stronger. And then having this belief and this conviction in what I'm doing as well was a lot easier. So yeah, the one thing that changed though, Glee, is that when the down goes, it's not as long as it used to be, right? I'm, I'm very quick because it, there's always going to be something that hits hard, right? Or yeah. something like, oh, why is this happening? This is, this is definitely like even recently in our tech business right now, we've gone through some pretty bad tech challenges right now because there was a massive DDoS, which basically if you're tech. DDoS, yeah. I, I just had it in my exam. So it's denial of service, something. Distributed denial of service to one of our main partners, which affected us. So it's then you're questioning, oh my gosh, what are we doing? This is bad. So even now I went through a bad phase. You know, if you ask my wife, like I was, I was a mess for a bit, right? So it's, but you got to always believe this is not always going to be sunshines and flowers, right? Yeah. Yeah, to me, being an entrepreneur is to me a whole new level. <laughs> it's different kind of people there. I feel that even if finance is very competitive, I think entrepreneurship life is way, I don't know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> well, I, I'll put in another framework is, you know, entrepreneurship life is actually the best personal development program you could ever take. You, you start off with maybe ambitions for wealth or self-sustaining business, right? I mean, entrepreneurship is not easy. And for you to be resilient and persistent, there has to be some inside work. Mm, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's not easy. And a lot of people can't do that. It's not easy, and which is fine. There is gonna, always going to be competition, but you realize I've been an entrepreneur a long time. You realize the competition is actually just with yourself because you can't control anyone out there. You can't control the competitors. You can't control how much money or how much money they raised. That's their ambitions, right? So, but it's yeah. easy for us to turn it around and let Take it personal. Hi there, Zesty. Enjoying the conversation? Please don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to your pods. You can also follow the show on Instagram and YouTube, where I share clips and highlights of the episode. If you want me to stay caffeinated, you may also buy me a coffee or two. Just head down to the episode notes to find out how. 
Now, back to the regular program. And do you think there is a pattern or formula to becoming a successful entrepreneur or a successful person in general? Well, first to your question on entrepreneur, I think to be a successful entrepreneur is to really understand your role and your goal of being an entrepreneur. And you could build businesses or you could build a lifestyle business. Like, what do you want from it? Success is at the end of the day, understanding what makes you happy, right? Mm. You know, there's a lot of tech entrepreneurs that built multi-million dollar companies, but they're super depressed or anxious because they went into one thing and then now they're, now it's just something else and they can't leave, right? So it's like, you got to really find that and really understand that, I think. Yeah, for success of person, it's the same thing, right? It doesn't matter what you do. Some people who have a job that's a labor job, whatnot, but they could be the happiest people because they're, already providing for their family and their content. It's finding that piece, which is, which is fine. So it's almost the same. Yeah. Different people see success differently without being content in life. So I think that's where it differs because a lot of people and a lot of media out there define success, right? But it's really different for each person. Yeah, I think they may think it's different, but I think I think everyone's going to lie in the deathbed and wondering wondering if they should have worked more or they should have hung out with their family more. I, I think there's a clear answer there, right? Mm, so yeah. yes, as, we, as we're on our journey, I think the definition of one's success definitely changes eventually. Eventually, it all comes to the same, to be honest. That's my, that's my opinion anyways. So let's say being at a certain stage of life, you will have a different definition of success. Is that what you mean? hundred percent. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Because I guess when I was younger, acing exams, you know, that would be your success. And then next stage and so on. So there's no exact definition, but it would really depend on how the your stage in life is. And I'm very curious, are successful people early risers? I'm very curious about that because there are a lot of books talking about waking up early and there was a term as well, I, I forgot, but what is your take on that? I like waking up early, although COVID took me out of waking up early because my wife works early and we have a young daughter. So I'm the one in the morning. So it's not like I could do my runs and stuff. So I sort of, in the last year and a half, I sort of shifted to being more of a late night person again, but mornings. So the question, are most successful people early risers? I mean, I know people who are both early and not early, Okay, but I think it's tough to sustain. It depends on what stage you are in life. The people who are getting up early all the time, so maybe their kids are already like 20 or 30. It's a little easier, right? But when your life is changing every day in your family life and you're trying to do proper balance, it's difficult because I could wake up early every day, let's say 5.30, but I'll get tired. Like you're burning that both ends of this. Like right now I'll be burning both ends. But there was a time before COVID, I would wake up like 5.30 every day because my wife was home. I would go for a run. I'll do my journaling. And it's nice, man. By the time it's eight o'clock, you like feel complete. Like you've basically worked on yourself. And so now you're ready your best self going into your work life. And that's super important. I definitely subscribe to that. 
I just don't practice it right now. <laughs> so you think that there's a correlation between being an early riser and becoming more successful or complete or more able to achieve your goal? Yeah, well, I think for you to gain more success and to really build yourself up, you have to build from within. And the only time you could do that is probably in the quiet moments. Because once the world wakes up, you have your family talking, you have your colleagues talking, and now you, you know, and you have social media and everything. It's what it's, you know, it just doesn't stop. So to find that solace in silence is very difficult once the day starts. You have to have a very good practice to like, let's say at 12 o'clock lunch, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to take my phone, whatever. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal. It's a lot harder then than it is than it is than just getting up to do it, I believe, because you, you have so many things to do. And so speaking of practice, so what things do you practice today that you think are beneficial for your personal development? So one thing I do all the time is I journal. I journal every day. I always kept a diary and journaling throughout my years, probably most of my adult life. But I realized when I look back, I would turn to journaling when I was going through something through a challenging time. You know, it could be in a breakup or a business or whatever. But probably three, four years ago, I read a book called The Artist Way um, by Julia Cameron. And she basically wrote this book in the 70s and it was for writers or artists. And one of the practices in there was something called morning pages where you, when you wake up, you write three pages of three of a, pages, three pages. Oh, it's and, so long. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very, it's, it's supposed to be very meditative, right? Because you don't have to think you just, whatever's in your mind, you just write it and you just write mm. it. And you write it. So now it's it's sort of a meditation because when you meditate, you let the thoughts come in and you let it go out. But here you let the thoughts come in and you put it on paper. And it's very strong. It's a very powerful exercise. Um, getting three pages is not as often right now for me, Like, but I still write every day. Um, but when I do get three pages, it's because I got up earlier, right? Because it still takes about probably 20 minutes to do. But that's, that's an exercise. Running. I run without music. I do my morning prayers. I don't meditate as much, but a lot of these are meditative practices. So I'm okay when I don't sit in silence. I'm curious. So do you write? Because I tried to start journaling, but I wasn't that successful. But when I was a kid, little girls have diaries, you mm -hmm. know. But once I got an older, I don't write anymore. But I just feel that if I write every day, you know, the notebooks would pile up. So do you write electronically or in the, you know, paper? Yeah. So my morning pages are on paper. Actually, so the way Julia Cameron explains it is the morning pages really, and maybe I should just do it, but the morning pages are not meant to be reread re anymore. It's a practice and you're not supposed so to. So you just throw it away after? Or I still have. So the, my, my point, what I was going to get to is I haven't thrown mine away. My wife is like, you got to throw these away. Like I have like so many books, right? And I don't know if I could ever go through it anyway. So I don't know why I'm holding on to it. But I do have another book. I, I have like a thought book, which I write in in the evenings where it's my ideas, some concepts, some things that I, when I do like my grateful practice, like I'll write down things that I'm not grateful or what I experienced that is bringing me towards it. I, I write that stuff in the evening as well. 
that one's more my reference book or my lab book or whatever you want to call it. So those are my primary practices right now. I, I guess one thing I would add, it's another practice is being part of uh, masterminds. So people who, who are friends or entrepreneurs and having a space to share your challenges, whether it's business, personal, that's been a powerful space for me over the last three, four years, having those, because as much as my wife is very supportive of me, she's not an entrepreneur, right? So you need to be talking with people who sort of get these anxieties or get these challenges. And knowing that it's a safe space, that's huge, right? So I, I kind of subscribe to the, you know, scribing, writing, having silence, you know, meditating, and then uh, saying it out loud, right, to people. And then that, that keeps me mentally healthy. And before we close off, can you tell us about your Cafe 100X? Yeah. So Cafe 100X, I launched on my second 100-day epics. It was a intent leave to do virtual co-working because we all work remotely. A lot of entrepreneurs or even different business leaders who who are within my network. And I wanted to create a space where it's like, hey, let's hang out with me and I'll stream live and I'll, you know, we'll chat and do that stuff. And that was fun. It, it was good. I put it on pause because I launched my 100X club where I'm doing the same thing in the co-working within the club and within the Discord now too, creating that space for people to work and have someone to just message or chat with here and there, right? Just like at a co-working space or at the office. But Cafe 100X, is uh, the concept was on Twitch and I would stream like every week for four hours. I just stream on Twitch and it allowed me to put myself out there and, and do on video. So audio is one thing, but being on video, being real time, that was actually a big learning opportunity for me as well. And it, it brought me towards the launch of the 100X Club with that concept with inside of it. Great. So so you launched it? It was September 22nd, which turned out to be, not turned out, which I intently made it my one year anniversary of that original. Oh, is exactly one year. So yeah, I let out some founding memberships and it's an interesting exercise to put yourself out there and back to the being the Mayabang and whatnot. It's it was a little scary to put out this because it was very close to my heart, the concepts of it, of being a multi-passionate and the frameworks and, you know, getting more than a handful of people sign up for something that I've never done before. It's uh, really reassuring, makes me want to really get up every day to do that and help them and create that, right? So that's just getting started. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very exciting. So what are your top three advice for our Zesties on how they can cultivate their potential and reach their goals? So top three is just always be creating. It's one thing to always have this idea, but you need to put it in motion, right? You have, and don't wait for perfection. you got to put it out there because once you put something out there, you, you can improve it and you could pivot, you could change. But sitting still, you're, you'll never, you'll just paralyze yourself. There's, there's a term called analysis uh, paralysis. paralysis. Over it. Yeah, yeah, so you definitely will do that. So, and I'm not saying to jump without thinking about it, but once you make a decision, so one is create and then two is make the decision to do it, right? stick with it and be persistent. And I think you owe it to yourself 100% to create, you have value to share and you're worth it, right? The last thing is always to do your best, right? Once you, once you decide, you can't just do it. You can't just do something that's 
just good enough. You have to make sure you do the best of the best knowledge if you have it. And sometimes that's not easy because if you know a lot of things, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to do this and see how it goes. But whatever you put out there, you're just going to get the same thing back. So if you already know that, okay, a launch is going to be like this, I got to do like this, then plan for that and then launch that way. Thank you so much for your advice, Edwin. So fun question to ask you. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so if you had a magic stick, what three things do you want to change the world? Change the world? Magic wand or magic stick or whatever. Magic stick. What are the three things I would change in the world? Oh, that's a very idealistic it's question. It's not really a fun question, right? I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, all of my fun questions are too too much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, I mean, I would probably say it, it's it's similar to my 100X club is like allowing the magic stick is to release everyone from judgment and let them do what they want to do without the fear of being my yabang, right? Like if you could, if, it, if everyone was able to do what they wanted to do, you know how crazy your family may look right now, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it would be you. You'd be probably pleasantly surprised or horrified by what the interests they actually are doing. The, the the second thing I would change is I think it's going out there and being empathetic and really listening to the com. You know, your brothers and your sisters, your community. You know, we always think we have something to say, but you just got to be there and listen and see them. I think it's just being kind with everyone. And the third one is, is probably should be the first one is that you're enough. Be kind to yourself. Thank you, Edwin, for that. And where can our Zesties find you? So Ed, Edwin 100X on most on most social medias, except Twitter, which is Edwin Frandozo. Someone owns the Edwin 100X. Oh. Someone in like Singapore hasn't used it in a while, like 10 years. Oh, and then you're going to change it there. <laughs> yeah. Check me out there. Happy to connect. The 100X Clubs is uh, the... 100x.club check it out there i'm rolling out you know the free discord as well actually i don't have that link but i'll put it on the 100x club 100x.club as well and you could drop into my discord and that's it yeah reach out to me i'm happy to connect my dms are open i'm just excited to hear from all you zesties out there oh great thank you edwin for your time today it was a pleasure having you on the show thank you for having me you're doing an amazing work keep it up thank you edwin hey zesty what do you think of this episode? I'd be very happy to hear from you. You may send your feedback to gleefultalkshow at gmail.com or rate us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Comment or tag us on Gleeful Talk Show social media. See ya!